familiar opening lyrics from another fellow Englishman as our co-host. A lot of years ago, you were probably still in swaddling clothes when that was written, uh, Paul. And, uh, of course, it is a Wednesday. Got Paul with us. It's the 12th of June. Roger Sales, your host in the Redidio Ranch on the Old People's Patriot Network. And uh, anxious always to have a little social intercourse with Paul. It's always fun and the audience likes it too. So I was just saying as he and I were doing a sound check that I was watching. Uh, I met a guy from Wales yesterday. That's where I'm learning about England, Paul. I didn't know all this stuff before, all the geographic. Well, the Welsh. Yeah. <laughs> and it, well, you know, and it was interesting when I was watching this whole thing on northern Wales last night. Very beautiful part of the country up there. There's some just uh, uh, interesting stuff that came about from me watching it. But it, I was reminded that in Argentina, there is a Welch town that only speaks Welch. They don't speak Spanish. And it's like in this uh, a video that I watched. And he just toured the northern part, a couple of castles and port towns and a big shale mine and the big high mountain Snowden or whatever the mountain is. There. Yep. And uh, so it's very interesting. And up there in the northern part of Wales, they speak Welsh. And uh, if on the public signs, they showed some video clips of different stuff. And and it's like here where you see uh, Spanish and English, you know, and English is always secondary. And it was Welsh and English. And they had some people speaking Welsh. It's a pretty different dialect. And it reminded me, as I said, that I had been told there's a town in Argentina that was settled by Welsh folks. And to this day, they still speak Welsh down there. So uh, it's a beautiful part of the world. And, uh, and of course, I connected with you. And then yesterday at our Patriot lunch, we had a, a brisk turnout yesterday with several really interesting new couples, male and female. I don't know if they were husband, wife, or whatever. But um, one of them was an elderly guy, older guy, Mike, a nice guy. from. And I said, where are you from? And he said, Wales. And and he had said, well, then I lived in South Africa for eight or nine years and did this down there. And then I moved up to Canada and Vancouver and did this for 10 or 12 years there. And I'm here now. But real nice guy. And it all connected. I thought, God, well, man, Paul's, that's Paul's part of the world originally. Well, you're from the southern Wales area, though, right? Me? Yeah. Not really. Uh, no, I'm from uh, my family we have actually got now my grandma on my mother's side her uh, maiden name was edwards and edwards is a notable welsh surname there are a lot of edwards in wales so uh, we do have a welsh connection through there i don't actually come from wales um and neither did my mother no we were we were northerners my mum was a northern lass she was born in yorkshire as was i uh-huh. but her her mother her mother was of the edwards now she was a she was really a Londoner. Was uh, she apples and pears, gall blimey, gav and tar ducks? That, they speak quite different. Are used to yes. And uh, but she was yeah, she was of Welsh descent. Was my grandma, and uh, she was great, formidable lady. Eight children, great. Uh, I always remember as a young child on a Saturday afternoon. This had been the late sixties, smoking cigarettes and backing horses on the television. <laughs> <laughs> You might not have got that in the States, but over here, everybody could gamble all the time, really. So she'd 
she was always watching the horse racing. She'd go down the bookies and put sixpence on. I mean, nothing. Do you know what I mean? But it was to make it interesting. And it kept her going in the later years of her life. So she was... Uh, she was great, really. I um, don't, you know, all these people. Now, as you get older, you wish that you'd been around them longer, and particularly yeah. in this condition, when you knew a bit, so that you could have adult conversations with them. Of course, I was only seven at the time, so that was yep. the state of my yep. conversation. But. Um, on a sad note, uh, right now as we're having the show this morning, uh, uh, my dear friend, guy I've known for many, many years, you know him, so a couple of people in the audience know him, Harvey Wysong. Just a dear friend, yeah. a dear, dear individual guy. Okay, they just don't make them like Harvey very often, all right? And his mother, Lee, who he's been taking care of for years, passed away this weekend at 106, and her funeral is uh, right now. So, uh, you know, I just found out she had passed. I knew she was, she'd been in bad shape for a long time. It's just through Harvey's total nurturing of her that she's made it this far, in all honesty. And uh, as you know, and uh, the, he's very cutting edge on health, and he's a real smart guy, and uh, and just a, a joy of a person to know. He's one of those people that, especially as I've gone down life number two here since the wake up years ago, uh, you get what seems like happens is you've got people that you know before you wake up here. But after you wake up and if you're trying to tell other people about it and learn about it yourself, then a lot of those people you become alienated from. And I imagine everybody hearing this can relate to that. Friends, family, yeah. old friends, whatever. So as you go forward, now you meet a lot of people that are like-minded like you and I here, Paul, and like the dear folks in this group and all of that stuff. And now you find out that these people where you're on the same wavelength, then these are real friends. And what those other folks were, they may have been friends at the time, but they really turned out to be more of acquaintances. And it's an interesting uh, dichotomy to get down and see all this. And Harvey is one of those rare souls that I've come across in 30 years that's, I mean, I've met some tremendous people in this industry. It's too bad most of them are dead. <laughs> They're all dying off like crazy. And, and uh, uh, But it's here we that. are, you know, carrying the banner and the torch. But I just wanted to, I just found out about that this morning, and I wanted to mention it. Uh, for those of you who knew Harvey, I had him on the air a couple of times. He's the one here about a couple of years ago. He re, and he got a patent on this. He got a patent on the sawhorse. Yeah, I remember this. Yeah, you okay. mentioned this to me. So he's a real, real interesting fellow. So anyway, um, well, it's Wednesday. You're back with us. There's all kinds of stuff going on in the world. What's uh, touched your life this week Did maybe came to mind you thought you might want to talk about? Well, just just before I jump into that, just in terms of Harvey's mother, right? Yeah. I mean, it's difficult to know how much sadness there can be with a person that's made 106. Boy. I think it's so impressive. And, you know, he, he called me. We spoke about a year ago. I've only had the one or two conversations with him, and he kindly called me because my wife's ill with the same condition that his mother had. My wife's half the age, really, of his mother. And uh, But Harvey was good enough. I ended up speaking to him. I don't know where. He was tooling around in the car somewhere, so he's like a maniac speaking to me on the phone at the same time. And he's telling me all this stuff about his mother. And he said, yeah, she's not been very well. And I didn't know anything much about her. And he said, you know, she used to ride horses and everything. And we're looking forward to getting her back on a horse. He said, I said, okay. He said, you know, she's not doing too bad because she's 104. Yeah. <laughs> I said, um, I've, I said, I've known her. He's lived there. I was blown away. It's fantastic. He, yeah. uh, uh, when I first met Harvey, I don't know those of you who may know Atlanta. 
the land area all around uh, Phipps Plaza and Lenox Mall is was just the real high point of Atlanta years ago. It's a real upscale area, and their house was in a subdivision right behind one of those malls. You could look out his his window and see one of the buildings right there. And they ended up finally selling out and moving up to uh, North Georgia. But Lee was her name, uh, Lee Har Lee Harvey Wysong. It must have been her maiden name, and he mm -hmm. uh, was named that. And uh, we've all, whether you know Harvey or not, we this is this is a tribute to what what can one person do? You know how many times have you heard that, right? Uh, Lee, uh, back in the day when she was young and and energetic and and more involved, she got hooked up with the Phyllis Schlafly group. Uh, Phyllis Schlafly's now passed, also. Uh, and um, at that point, they were trying to pass the Equal Rights Amendment and get it ratified through the three-quarters of the states. And Lee all virtually single-handedly hooked up with this other gal and stumped the state of Georgia, and they single-handedly defeated that amendment that never got ratified. Now, that's a real tribute to a person to do something like that, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's great. Well, a, a, a cracking innings, and I was just winding back. I'm thinking, well, that means she must have been born in 1913, which is the inauspicious year that the Fed started, oh. right? So I think uh, maybe if uh, Harvey Weissong's mother, uh, God rest her soul, has shuffled off this mortal coil, maybe the Fed could follow suit and shuffle off its as well. So well, who knows? They're not. They're um, not but, too. Uh, they're not too far away from self-imploding. This whole banking system. I just uh, right before the show was watching John Rabino's interview today. I guess he's a, a financial guy of note, real level-headed, sharp guy. To me, that's my impression. And um, uh, Greg Hunter's got him on the Wednesday interview, and that's what he said. He's saying. He's looking at all the the whole thing overall. I don't know if you you didn't hear us yesterday. Um, I probably still got it here. I bet I hadn't dumped it out yet, Paul. Um, right. And I do. Uh, this is a list of the in, of the interest rates in the bond market as of yesterday. Okay. The one month money. You can go buy a, a bond for a month. You get two point two nine seven. If you go for three months, you get 2.282. If you go for six months... This is percentage interest. On yeah, the bond. This, this is, is percentage the, this interest. This is the yield, okay? And, and bonds are a weird animal because they have what's called an inverse relationship with the price. And what we're talking about here is inverse of the price. What the point of this is, if you went all the way down to seven-year money uh, or even uh, five-year money, they're paying 1.901. Okay, so those rates for longer term should be higher, not lower. And what you've got yep. is everybody's so scared they ain't putting any kind of emphasis into long term money. They're loading it up in the fur in one month because that's how precipitous the situation is right now. And you're looking around and 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 Europe's in, in bad shape. China in this trade war. Uh, then you got Italy has just proclaimed their own currency. Uh, that bill evidently passed some. Hey, Chris, welcome, man. Put your mute on, if you would, for a sec, because you're getting some crackles. And we're getting Rice Krispies out of you. Uh, and uh, uh, so it's a precipitous time um, all over the place. It's just which black swan or 
flock, cluster flock, as I like to say, a cluster flock Ooh. of black swans <laughs> is going to come yeah. and zap us from any given direction. So, you know, just sitting here in a three-point stance, uh, since we were welcome, Chris, by the way, since we were together last week, of course, we had the commemoration of D-Day, the big invasion where we came to save England and make Europe safe for communism. Uh, and we had the uh, uh, also the commemoration of the USS Liberty on Saturday, I believe. Um, so, yes. you know, Lada, they kept the lid on it again this year, best I could tell. Uh, and but we're real we're real close to some big time fireworks. Some stuff we've been waiting for. I've been waiting for this for almost thirty years. Well, I guess we are. The D Day thing was interesting. Um, not that uh, they had a lot of it coverage here on the TV uh, during the day, um, which was all patchy and silly. And of course, uh, it's not that I'm looking to the BBC to give us the sort of oh, even an interesting take on it. You know. We're not really looking for that, are we? So, you know, it's not as if I was disappointed because I'm not expecting anything. Uh, somebody, though, on a list uh, that I'm on sent a message in about Donald Trump's speech, um, which I didn't catch either and I'm not going to look for. Um, but the gist of it was, I think, in his speech that he uh, quoted Roosevelt. And this this comment that came in that this was good, you know, that this was a good quote, and that he'd read this really great poem or whatever it was from Roosevelt I, I couldn't let that one ride um, so I, I, I wrote in and wrote some terrible things I'm, af I'm afraid to say about President Roosevelt they were really quite foul and I really meant every word of them uh, and of course I got some response back from other people you know uh, one was hilarious to me he said uh, you do realize that if it hadn't been for Roosevelt we would have all uh, you know your parents probably wouldn't have even survived the invasion from oh, like please. the evil Oh, no, please. seriously, you can see how the logic, once you start off with the first step in the wrong territory, every step after that is a complete waste of time. It just makes it worse. People get more and more lost. You can't get them back out of that purview. It's just all gone. It's and I was going, seriously? I mean, um, but Paul, you really need to read some proper history books. I said, what? Like what? William L. Shira's History of World War II. I said, That's a comic book. I mean, you know, these things and I noticed in the communication and I, it's not to be too mocking, but I should never get involved in these things because I don't. Uh, <clears throat> the amount of energy it takes. That yes. I, I, I look at it and I, I go, if I get started on this, I'm going to have to write a novel. I, I could... I could, but I'm looking at my. I'm going. I ain't got the time to write one now. I can't do this. And then you realise that it really wouldn't matter if you wrote a novel because the context on the other side is really lopsided. It, they've no way of fitting in to their view what you're saying. I'm trying to sort of step back and go. You know, there's no communication taking place. There's just the appearance of it. And so there's. You know, it's why tricky. don't? That's why I really <laughs> don't like to, when you get into some sort of. And I've had that situation a couple of times, pretty important times too, with uh, people that were significant, and that is they want to get into this email exchange crap. You know, when you can pick up the mm -hmm. phone and have three dimensional. You can't be there face to face, but you can at least get three dimensional communication. You only get two dimensional communication in written stuff. And I just I learned long ago not to get sucked into those forum battles on some of these complex stuff that we've spent a lot of time understanding all of the different nuances of. And these people have no idea that there are nuances. Period. So you're what you're doing is you're beating your 
head against a wall because it feels so damn good when you stop. And you've wasted a lot of time. You hadn't convinced anybody or anything. I don't know, maybe get a point or two across. I just try not to do it, you know. I try and use my time productively. And uh, uh, and and the other time that I'm not using to do something, hell, I'm, I'm getting along in years myself. I like my own personal time, you know, and like to have a life too. Speaking of having lives, Chris, I was worried about yours because we hadn't heard from you in a couple of days, and that always throws my antenna up. <laughs> well, it's been pretty crazy in Las Vegas and Arizona the past few days, uh, hauling a big load of a truck down there on Sunday and coming back, and then crazy stuff going on here in Las Vegas. And, you know, if it's not one thing, it's another. And then we got my social life besides that on top of it. So it can be a, quite a bit of a balancing act. <laughs> well, I know that, and I know that you're the, you know, the John Travolta of the radio ranch and all that stuff. And so I try and figure that in if with my concerns. But you can understand my position that when we don't hear from you in a, within a couple of days' time, that we're all a little bit... Well, I wonder what Chris is up to, <laughs> that kind of thing. Welcome back, buddy. So you've been doing personal stuff. Are you moving out of Clark County to your place in Arizona, or what's going on? Well, I'm preparing to. I'm still stuck here zealously defending myself and finding another location to uh, hang my hat and shower and stuff here in Las Vegas. Uh, uh, fervently seeking it. Uh, the time clock is running. I think i got five to eight days to locate something i have a couple of possible contingencies on hand but nothing firm yet so it's a uh, pretty exciting well the good lord always opens the door when it's the right time it's my as i get older i just sit back and instead of trying to force it myself just let let him do it that's kind of what we're doing with this whole project when the door's ready to open he'll open it okay uh the old when the teacher is ready the student will appear and uh I've learned the hard way. You just can't beat this into people's heads. You got to throw it out there, and it's like fishing. It's like the analogy to Christianity in many ways. Uh, you throw the bait out there and see who circles it. Well, we were uh, unfortunately it was slow coming, and uh, I think weather tampering was interfering with the usual weather patterns. But we did hit 103 yesterday, and they showed uh, one of the news reporters out there with a. Uh, infrared thermometer scanner uh, reading 131 off the pavement and I was out there changing two tires twice on uh, that 131 degree of asphalt so I've been having lots of fun <laughs> uh oh gone silent did we lose Roger it looks as though we've lost the main man I had to go out. I had a howling. I had a howling deal out going on, and I couldn't shut oh. them up. And I finally had to go out, put the headphones down, go out there, and you'd start yelling at them. So, anyways, I don't know if you. <laughs> I swear. Well, we're getting a barking collar. One of the main. Why culprits. were you mic'd up for that? It would have created atmosphere. <laughs> no, on the show. no, we, we don't like need. This. No, this we don't. Good. You don't need that atmosphere. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sorry I missed the last part of that. Chris, we're back. Uh, glad you're back with us, man. Me too. Yeah. So you're you're going to good morning. Gonna, are you, are, now, let me see good if morning, I can get, get this straight. Are you planning on moving to Arizona, or are you going to stay there in Clark County and flit back and forth, have a weekend place down there, or what? Well, I found it 
more sensible to move my stuff that I've been paying near two hundred dollars a month to store to my dome in Arizona. Yes, Mark. And uh, you know, at least it gets it under my control instead of somebody else's, and it doesn't bleed me dry every month. Uh, that is one place that I would consider because that land is so special being fee simple, absolute, a loyal title, uh, grant of land made patent down there. It lies within the geophysical boundaries, but not within the corporate state there. And two, it lies co with. So it has some interesting aspects that, uh, give it advantages over other places. But I'm not sure that Arizona is any better. It's still the Ninth Circuit, the communist-controlled Zionist, uh, I guess you have to call them the Bolshevik Solinsky activist judiciary out here. So it's still a very dangerous location because the bar is warring against America. Well, I got an idea for you. Maybe this would help you out psychologically. I don't know about the other effects. Why don't you go get a nice sign painted that says American Samoa and go put it out on the edge of your property. <laughs> You can just pretend it's American Samoa. <laughs> uh, well, I thought about starting my own state within the state. I think that's a viable concept. That's kind of a curious line of thought. Well, you know, Paul, I don't know if Paul knows this. One of the things we've toyed with for, for a couple of years now is as we understand this system, how it's been structured, the old one's still there, and there's a, just a veneer over it in essence and uh it's what was so exciting there a couple of years ago when the uh, uh etowah county alabama situation popped up and etowah county is there to the northeast of birmingham kind of and it's a beautiful part of alabama that area big lakes in it and stuff and all of a sudden i had three callers over there at ex-wife number three, I had three callers that were from the same county. And, uh, and so as we developed, here's what the idea is. As this guy, Dr. Livingston from the Abbeville Institute, I heard him say in a talk years ago, it's over on the website, he said, evidently after the Civil War, states can no longer secede, but counties evidently can. Now, when I heard him make that statement, I got a, somebody that knew him and got to him to ask him. He's an elderly gentleman, even back then. And um, he said, oh, well, what happened was after the Civil War, they took one county in Western Virginia and they made it West Virginia. So uh, in that line of thinking, I know that if we get... 12 people or more, ideally in a county, we could impanel a true common law grand jury. Now, you need to have the sheriff educated, hopefully uh, uh, on your side, legally, lawfully. And at that point, you got a, a common law grand jury that's got teeth. See, the ones that have been sprouting up all over the country since the Oklahoma City bombing is when they start, started popping up like mushrooms in a cow field after a rain, okay? But you got a bunch of serfs, in essence, that are getting together over in the dark corner or whatever, semi-lighted corner, and going, we're going to, we got to pass these and enforce these laws against the Lord of the Manor. Well, they can't do that. They couldn't do it back then. It was a revolution. That'd be called revolution, you know. Uh, but 
So, but so that, that Roger, yes. with all your with all the states, how, how many are there again? Fifty-one, fifty. Okay, well, sorry, there's fifty-one. If, there's fifty-one if you count Israel. If you <laughs> okay, let's not count that for now. Does every state have counties? Yes. Okay, well, roughly. So a couple have shires and so on and so forth. The okay. uh, parish down Louisiana. Yeah, parishes they have in Louisiana. That's the one exception. All the others are counties. All right. Okay. We've got. We got. Of course, we got both. These, these words obviously come from my neck of the woods, as it were. Um, how many? So, in total, in the states, roughly how many counties are there? There's like I'm ten thousand or something. I've seen the number. I can't quote it exactly, but that's what comes to mind. But there's a good many of them. See. All right, so 50 states, and you've, you've got a couple of hundred counties on average per state. Obviously, some will be a lot smaller and some a lot bigger, I guess, but that's right. roughly it and gives you about whatever it is, right? Something mm -hmm. like that, 10,000 right. or something you're saying? Yeah, let's, let's use wow, that. Let's use that. may not be accurate. Murr, don't call in tell me we're doing inaccurate stuff. It's just a ballpark thing for discussion. And uh, but <laughs> Go on, call in and roast him. <laughs> <laughs> but somewhere so, around uh, there, yeah. No, I'm in, I like these. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a sort of slightly stupid part of my mind on my makeup, but I, I like to know these little sort of breakdowns with these numbers. I mean, over here we have parishes, right? There's about 10,000 parishes, and they were the basic sort of measuring unit for the whole of the nation at one point. They still exist, although they try to sort of get rid of them. But I like them because they're the old word. Yeah. And I like anything that's old because it's a rebuttal to all this so-called, you know, well, progress. So I like the idea of parishes. And I keep thinking that the parish is the unit by which um, we should measure our recovery. It's almost, you know, because every parish is supposed to have over here what's known as a parish council. Um, and they probably do, actually, although some of them I can't imagine. But, uh, you know, it's like if you've got a radio set up, we want everybody in, the, in every parish to be listening, little clusters. And you want a common law jury in every parish, you know. Right. Seriously. Well, there's so I, an old keep, saying. So maybe with counties for you guys. As I started getting involved in this, uh, there are between 3,100 and 3,400 counties in the U.S. I got two different responses. Cody and Jim Ram, thank you. It's nice to know you guys are out Excuse there. That's great. Um, hell, where was I going with that? And I just lost my train of thought. I'll get it back in a second. Uh, but this is a real important, uh, this is what I was going to say when I first started getting into this and, and started learning, I always liked politics and I was interested in it. You know, if, if you're not interested, if you don't take an interest in politics, politics will take an interest in you that kind of deal but after you start learning this you get a, a lot more interested in and acutely so and there's a saying back then that says all politics is local now that's very valid okay and you can affect change at the local level you can get into those privy meetings or those council meetings or uh, the county commission meetings the school board meetings in our setup and you can affect change and you can at least get your voice heard i can tell you that because they sit there mum as some of these people in these meetings get up and start lambasting them for all the things that are going wrong and the the county commission meetings <laughs> members look like monkeys on a stool man 
And so, mm-hmm. but all politics is local. It's and that's why this is kind of important. But I always just we keep thinking about that. Occasionally, it looks like we might add an affidavit or two up there in Etowah County as we go forward. And Daryl's certainly a wonderful person to have established there. Uh, his old uh, counterpart just showed up again recently. I hadn't heard from him in a few years. And his name when they first started calling. And they didn't know each other back then from the same place. And I started calling them Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Okay. And so this other fella is named Russ. And he's a very unique guy, to say the least. He hadn't been around for a while. He gets off on tangents. But he did contact me recently. We had some exchange. But this guy, Paul, is a one-man band. He has totally engineered himself a setup where he plays every instrument and can can what we call knock off any song, all right? And he goes around and rents himself out to parties and, and different stuff like that, but he totally engineered that whole thing. Every one of his appendages works an instrument. <laughs> the one-man band. Well, yeah. well done. <laughs> So anyway, good to have Russ back. Russ is right there. Uh, uh, I have another friend I met, ironically enough, down here has become a good friend, Shane, and he happened to live in Gadsden, which is the county seat of Etowah County, Uh, and who knows who might drift over there. Uh, Looks like somebody might be coming from the West Coast and all kinds of stuff, so it's kind of exciting, but it's a long-term project and vision, and it kind of happens pretty slowly, Uh, but... It's an interesting thing because of that one comment. Evidently, after the Civil War, states can no longer secede, but counties evidently can. So there's legal precedent there. It's interesting. Yeah, so you just need a PPN, a uh, Patriot Network representative in every county. So that's 3,500 listeners straight off. That's that's the goal. There we go. There we go. There's different kind of political uh, political Build up people. county rep. I'm sorry, stepping on you a little bit, Paul. Uh, it's all right. I'm just, I've gone off at a tangent. Sorry. Well, we've been on a tangent for a whole first part of the show at this point, but I hope it's been interesting. I, I, I think we've covered some interesting stuff, but if there's any meat out there, let's get our incisors sharpened and bite into it. What, you mean in today's show? Yeah, like right now, man, let's get after it. Well, I just wanted to bang on a bit more about Roosevelt, actually. Okay, good. He's a good one. He's a good, he's a good whipping boy. One of Harvey. Harvey's cousin is a guy named Chris Sullivan. Very, really cool guy. I've known him for years. And he told, one time, we used to have coffee after the meetings and all that stuff. And he said, you know, the whole time I was growing up, I thought Roosevelt's first name was Dam. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I always thought that was so funny. That's kind of English humor right there. <laughs> I like it. That's good. I like that. That's good. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. I don't want to just have a – the thing – what was interesting when I was just – you were talking about writing things and getting involved in a sort of uh, – you know, the thing is I actually do like writing. It's just that it takes up quite a bit of time. And you're absolutely right. You know, it can be, it can be ineffective – in that it becomes, um, it's sort of like 
particularly when you're called upon to, to keep on proving parts of your point, you have to go, oh, no, now I've got to go off and find all the quotations and references, okay, which I can do, but I just get ground down by that process. And, of course, that's an approach to it. But uh, uh, Roosevelt sort of covers an awful lot of awfulness all in one man. It's tremendous when you think about it. <laughs> because, uh, uh, he is. You know, and, I, um, you know, you, you probably know of, if you don't know him, Tom Goodrich, the, the author who wrote Hellstorm, whose audio book I, I narrated, right? Correct. And me and Tom, I, once or twice a week, and I haven't spoken to him recently, he's been laid low with the Florida flu, which is where he is. I'm going, you don't get flu in Florida, but he, he's got it because he sounds awful. But we, we have this sort of slight, it's not, it's a very polite disagreement about who's the biggest shit in history excuse my french right is it winston churchill or was it roosevelt of the last century right of course i'm championing churchill as being the number one but he says no no roosevelt's far worse and uh, so it's quite a nice little disputation that we have i mean it's good to sort of you know dispute things in that way anyway um you know the one of the rebuttals that came back was well he saved the american economy with a new deal <laughs> after i sort of fallen about laughing i thought oh, this is going to be hopeless, absolutely hopeless, you know. So um, it's as if people are not aware that he nicked everybody's gold. And, and, and it's just really basic stuff like this. And what comes across is that the dressing up, the way that a story is initially presented and hammered in, it takes so much energy to get that wrong idea out of people's heads. So it's, much. It, it don't question anything. And I, I keep coming back to this. All I'm saying, you know, if people questioned stuff and stopped pretending that they really knew things, we might get somewhere. But people, the older get, you know, they, we all do it. I suffer from it as well. You know, I'm always sort of trying to watch myself and edit myself quickly. Once you get sort of stood in, I'm absolutely crystal clear about this, you can bet your bottom dollar that something's going to come up and bite you in the rear end and show you that it's not. And um, that was kind of, the, that's the nature of it. And you feel as though sometimes you're involved in a discussion with someone who's really got like the old-fashioned received context. And it becomes clear, of course, that they are not aware of any of the questioning narratives that exist. And, it's, uh, and this kind of, it does irritate me because as far as I'm concerned, the entire purpose of the internet is a tool for the first time where we can ask questions about anything. And when people willfully doubt and just use it to reinforce the bogus stuff they've already received. It's true. There is actually very, very little grounds for constructive communication in a situation like that. Very, very. Is it is a combination of just stubbornness and, and ego and pride? And you know, this is what I learned, and I know it's correct. I know they wouldn't lie to me, and I've had people tell me that, okay? I'm, my government, <laughs> my government wouldn't lie to me. I've had people quote that exact term that exact phrase to me okay and i just shake my head and i say boy are you in for a rude awakening two things come to mind uh the uh, the one the one cliche i like a lot is the mind is like a parachute it only works when it's open and the, the other one is uh, the old mark twain uh, a couple of his that are very poignant one is it ain't what i know that's killing me it's what I know that ain't so. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. And the other one being, it's, e it's easier to fool a man than to tell him he's been fooled. Yep. Yeah. These are true. 
These are true statements, really. Of course, it's if you're with someone who can't actually remember them in the moment, it's kind of lost, isn't it? You know, uh, you tell people that their minds only work when they're open. They go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then next day, their minds are closed. Closed again. It's like, like I'll be around, don't you? Parachute every time to get this conversation going. Yeah, you do, actually. Well, see, so that's why. That's, that's what makes all of us here, the people that gyrate to this message, because if you're here, you're looking for raw truth. You didn't just stumble in to catch a conversation with an English guy flipping across the dial. Oh, that sounds interesting and hang around. You're here for a reason, okay? And and that's because we've got answers, we've got understanding, we've got sanity, and we've got a support group and a daily reference group. Somebody, one of the new people, uh, or was it Lauren that was telling us one day she's talking to somebody and the lady said, do you have meetings? <laughs> Say, yeah, man, every day, right over here on this little website right here. And we get together and talk about these things that are deep, uh, 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 sometimes complex and absolutely confusing, but that have a great bearing on our future if you come to understand them. And the reason why is because the system is designed to clean your clock. Everything in that system is designed to suck mm. your essence throughout your lifetime and bleed you dry and leave you as, with nothing at the end, okay? And w- this allows you to get your freedom and your understanding, too, to where you can make decisions where that isn't your, your destiny. I mean, that's the whole value of this is it allows you to make better decisions. Yes, it, I mean, it's it's amazing the power of the first iteration of a story, the power that that has. And the first iteration of a story that most of us hear is at school. You get the received thing, and this has such weight when it goes in a life um, because there's nobody around in a classroom to actually provide a counter-argument because you're all eight years of age. <laughs> it's, not, it's nothing like that. So these things get absorbed, and they stay very, very long. And this is why you know, the so-called education system, I would suggest, is has really got to be viewed as, our, uh, as the ground more than any other. That would y- It won't yield instantaneous uh, accolades and plaudits. It's not going to do that. But it's, it's definitely got to be addressed. Um, there's literally now no point I see in sending your children to school at all. Also, there's no reason to worry. Uh, I still see these comments, you know, floating around from people like they're going to teach this at school and I don't want it. Why? What? Just don't go. But there's a law now that you've got to go. All right. So now we're into being compelled to be brainwashed. And And if we adjust our language, uh, this helps us a great deal, and it also helps us a great deal to have an audience. It's why I, I know it's difficult, uh, uh, and I struggle with it as well, but this whole idea of acquiring greater numbers of understanding, uh, listening, questioning ears is very important to us. I think because the less time, the more time we can spend having conversations about Roosevelt, et cetera, et cetera, that are effective and they would be more effective if the recipients of these things had more of a grounding in some of these contextual ideas that you uh, and Chris and the audience know, uh, then we would be, we, by default, we become more effective communicators. We can cover more ground more rapidly, more clearly understood by the listener if they are armed with a few basics. But the basics, of course, they've been given are completely contrary to what we're throwing up. So we have to sort of sit and look at these faces or read these sentences and we're just shaking our heads sort of like disappointment, I think, is the main emotion I experience when I see these things. 
I, I, the disappointment is what you don't have the gumption to even go and look yourself. That's what I tend to feel. You've just, you know, swallowed down what you were told, really. But then you see that schools are really about that. They're about teaching that. The teacher knows best. I, I don't think so. That was me straight off. What, really? Are you sure? Uh, you know, and uh, they're very impressive at teachers when you're young, I think. But when you get a little bit older and you've been around the block a bit and you look at them and you go, whoa, were many of those guys and gals basically pretty useless at everything else? Now, that yes. sounds a nasty thing to say. But, but there's definitely something in that. I remember there was a friend at school. His father was absolute, was the most scathing person I ever met about teachers. My dad was quite respectful, and we just played a game of going and this, that, and the other. But this guy was just like, he just said, they're all complete failures at everything else. That's why they're teaching you old rubbish. <laughs> I just thought, hey, that's a bit cynical, because I was still quite naive, you know, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed back then. I'm only 12 or 13 years of age. I thought, oh, that's a bit nasty, isn't it? Mr. Brown, my English teacher's quite nice. But he probably was useless. No, not well, really. Well, there's an old saying, because I was a professional teacher for 10 years, and it says, those who can do, do, and those who can't teach. I don't know if you've ever heard that. I <laughs> have. Oh, did you get that in the neck, then? Did they... Yeah, I can see. It. Yeah, fantastic, <laughs> Mr. Sales. What did they address you? Then this is fantastic. I can't see you doing this at all. It's wonderful. It's a very different picture. Well, did you I, have your pipe then? As well? I did. I didn't Wasn't smoke in class. I was. I, I taught at a, it was an interesting situation because it was basically a glorified trade school, and I come to understand later a federal loan mill. Okay, and but they had some legitimate stuff. It's the Art Institute of Atlanta. It used to be they got art institutes of different cities all over the country in this bundle, and it's uh, on the New York Stock Exchange, so it's one of those deals. But I can tell you, uh, it was just through, <laughs> I say circumstance, it's providence that I even did that and got involved in it because, for one thing, um, it it came as I look back on my life, really. It's one of the most satisfying things I've ever done. I mean, I'd, I'd walk out of the building some days after teaching, and it was music business stuff, you know. And I'd walk out and get in my car and go, I can't believe they pay me to do this. Okay, and they you paid me pretty good, actually. But uh, and I didn't have to work too often. I had a lot of spare time on my hands. And But anyway, um, uh, that's when the Patriot stuff came along. And I had the time to put into it, you know, there for a few years. But uh, and that's basically why I really enjoy doing this, and and it's a lot of my motivation is that I tell you in in, a, in just a sense it gives my life more purpose this than anything that I've ever done before because always before you're kind of chasing money to live and pay bills, and that's not the case here. This is a labor of love, okay? And if I'm not with you guys every day on these times, I miss you. I feel guilty. And I feel like I've lost something because it's my connection to sanity too. <laughs> it's all about us. It's oxygen for the soul. You know, I go crazy if I don't get to have a proper conversation. I mean, uh, I would have thought as well, I mean, just shifting it, you know, going off at a tangent, I think I probably am a bit of a tangent guy, really. Um, the uh, the theme that's been, that I've spent probably more time talking about over the last few days, um, certainly in a couple of recordings, uh, uh, is the the whole of the the shuttling the the whole of the YouTube thing? We possibly touched on it last week, but it's just picking pace, and yeah. it's um it's fascinating actually. I mean, I'm not uh, distressed by it. Um, I noticed that there are people that are very much so, 
But I'm not arguing. I'm not saying it's a good thing. It would be better if if access to it was still there. But this day's always been coming ever since they started, you know, effectively burning digital books a couple of years ago and, and getting on their high horse about that. But um, there are people who are, you know, can't stop going back. They're going, I've just had my channel shut now. I keep seeing these emails. I've just lost my channel. Now, I just need 100 subscribers. I can open up another one. I'm going, why? I, I'm sorry. I've got sort of disconnect here. Why would you keep on doing that? And how circumspect do you have to be in your communication? And is it worth it? Is it worth all this, oh, uh, you know, I could go for they, – they're kicking people off for any reason at all. I still think – I don't know if I mentioned this last week, but if I did, it's still worth mentioning again. There was a musician who made lyricless, i.e. instrumental electronic music, who had his channel shut down, kicked off. Why? Because it was deemed that his music may be list- being listened to by right-wing nationalist people. Holy smokes, you're like, kidding me. Yeah. Well, let no. me tell you, no, there's another uh, one. It I saw. stop there. I saw the it headline last night before I went to bed looking over um, over on Mike Rivera's page, and Facebook yeah. has banned something for an article that they didn't publish on Facebook. <laughs> okay, now, so look, let's... Oh, we need to- <laughs> We need internet. You know what? You know how they had Web 2.0, which was to signify the arrival of all this uh, social networking stuff. Web 2, you know, it's Facebook and Twitter and all this. We need to go. I want to go back to Web 1.0. It was great. I yeah. loved that. Web yeah. 1.0 was much better. It's much more fun. So I've, we need to re-invoke that label because it's probably still got traction in people's minds. It's all to do with the words that we pick. You know, you can save yourself an awful lot of time by triggering people to connect with you. So. Web 1.0. I don't want 3.0. It'll be worse than 2.0, which has been a joke, you know. You know, I think I got the OEM disc somewhere. Maybe I can just go reboot the thing. (laughs) (laughs) We're going back to 1999 when it began, when it was still sensible, you know. Boy, you used to could throw a lot of stuff on the web before they doctored it up and started clamping down on it. I mean, you know, it's been one of our greatest assets. It's like Eustace Mullins said in that audio I've gotten that he said God was merciful on us and he gave us the internet and that's still the case we'll find a way around this I think what's interesting is always to see their reaction to things and to see them clamping down to this degree right out in the open on sites that have big followings and stuff um, it shows you they're in desperation mode they can't stand the truth getting out, so they try and squash it uh, however that they can in their ma- powerful monopolistic uh, manner. And the more that they squash it, the more that it makes the people aware of what's going on or that somebody's doing something that's inimical to their interests, which is keeping them from correct information. So they can make crappy decisions where they get their essence sucked out. I <laughs> know. I know. I mean, in one way, it's no different. Well, it is different in in its form, and there is subtle differences within the technologies, of course. But if you look at the pattern of, say, the acquisition of farms or the acquisition of uh, newspapers and media companies, uh, particularly in your country over the last century, right, you know, resulting in, what, five mega media organizations now, you know, all run by the same crew. Uh, that's really part and parcel of this. However, I think this is this is going to remain different because 
uh, it's almost like with the net, the harder you squeeze it, the more the data runs out between the fingers. There's yep. no way to actually block it all off. And I think there's such a substantial number. You know, we may still be in the minority, but it's a bit like we are an alive minority, very alive, with a lot of energy and a lot of intellectual energy and a lot of questioning and a lot of hunger. Uh, and the hunger increases. It doesn't decrease the more of this stuff you get. It goes up. And uh, it's m- much more difficult to deal with that in terms of, oh, we want everybody back to consuming the internet the same way you used to consume newspapers and magazines. No, mm-hmm. that's not going to happen. Sorry. I mean, at this rate, the, the net would be such an anemic, useless piece of technical junk if they're allowed to. No one will use it. I mean, people just stop. You're just going to forget it. Well, I mean, it that's not going to happen. But it, if were, it would be more in a, in a way of a design of control, which is, of course, what they – would like now what's happening to these guys right now is what's happened to them virtually every time in history they've tried to take over a country okay and they are con- continuing to clamp because it's getting out on them on a lot of different fronts a lot of different issues from a lot of different people and here's what's interesting because what we know and understand you can look back and see now that Again, the Civil War is bloody and as senseless as, as it was and whatever reasons they try and put on it was fought for one reason. I'm telling you, there's multiple other peripheral reasons, but their main objective was to get that 14th Amendment in place because they knew on the way they did it and maneuvered it that it was what was going to control the world a hundred years later because the basis of the people would be the basis of the world reserve currency. That was their plan, I guarantee you, okay? And Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing is, and there were some speeches, I've seen them over the years, Paul, from Parliament, where somebody got up in front of Parliament. It's a pretty big, long paragraph, but in essence, he, he said, if we don't quell this mischievous uprising over there it's going to affect every monarchy on the globe so not only was it it was a gigantic threat to them in the way the country was founded initially and they had to come in and harness that and then just like they do everything else they hijacked something they hijacked uh, uh, Herzl's Zionist movement with Sabbateanism. They hijacked our country in the way it was founded and the way it was proposed and set up and have got us into this crap by that mechanism, that 14th Amendment. And by that, they killed both birds. They gave themselves the base to continue taking over the world and they got rid of their rival that could potentially upstage them down the line of a you know true government of the people people for the people etc so the two ideals and daryl is uh daryl was cleared for landing and came in and i figured we'd hear from him eventually how you doing there captain well i'm, I'm doing good this morning roger thank you and paul good to hear you as always good morning daryl yeah i i couldn't pass up your your 14th amendment civil rights uh bait <laughs> you know the the civil zing. Hear that reel go. <laughs> yeah. As as we've all come to understand, the Civil War was to bring in the civil law, which was the civil rights, which is the feudal system. Yep. Boom. Yep. Yeah. Civil War, civil rights. Uh, how hard does this get? It's <laughs> it's tricky. And this is, of course, if you get into the, you know, studies from Brent and stuff and the studies of the law, it's the 
a Roman civil law. It's the, it's the code that morphed out of the change in Rome from the just civil, the law of the citizen, the law of the civil, the first 200 years where they had God-given rights, and through another 200-year period, it morphed into the just gensum, the law of the foreigner, because self-help remedies had now been integrated into Roman law. And that's basically yeah, the Roman so. civil code that we, all the countries of the world are under today. Yeah, so... You know, it's it, that's a very that's a very key important distinction that you've just drawn out for the uh, uh, I could use the term etymology of that of that word or that concept in that there are two two applications jurisdictions of what civil law was and what it became. So there's a distinction there. And and uh, I, I think you have to really appreciate what you just said. Otherwise, the listening audience is going to draw this out in a conversation, and then somebody's going to beat them up because they don't know the other side of that. As, when you're dealing with liars and ignorant people, you have to know as much as they do on both sides of the conversation. So... Well, let me go back for the newer people because there's another really important point there that I've come to over the years in thinking about this as much as I have. Um, as I said, the, the, what was the change mechanism there, notice the, word, the term change mechanism was self-help remedies. Okay, and maybe I'll go back in a little more detail on the story. The first 200 years of Rome, they had the same laws that our country was founded on with God-given rights, capital D duties, and a formal trial setting where you had to have witnesses, jury, your peers, all that stuff. Okay, And uh, as the Roman Empire grew and the outskirts of the newly conquered lands, well, they wanted to go to Rome because that's the center of commerce and that's where they were going to, you know, get rich and take advantage of it. And that's what happened. All the merchants generated to Rome. Well, the merchants with them brought the established way of doing things they do called the Babylonian Merchant Code. And they brought this merchant code into Rome as foreign merchants and started utilizing one of the attributes of that, which is self-help remedies. And all that is is a way to achieve remedy without going through the formal process, okay? Because the remedy is written into the contract. All right, and it's uh, the most the best example is a car contract. You sign, go buy a car on time, and that clause is in there. And the clause is, if you don't pay your payment by such and such a day, they don't have to go to court and get a or a writ to come seize the car. The seizure of the car is enabled because you didn't fulfill your end of the contract. Every month when you pay that bill, you, it's called a defeasance. Every month when you put pay that bill, it's a defeasance because because every month when you pay, you defeat that clause that triggers the remedy, all right? So there's a reason it's in there for business and whatever else, but they, of course, have taken this one attribute and they've weaponized it. 
because it allows them to come seize your stuff and people don't understand the intricacies and the mechanisms of this merchant law, okay? And so I have come to the conclusion that I'll bet if you went back and looked at how they take over countries that one of the first things they do is start instituting and utilizing the the self-help remedies. Those are, for the audience that might not know this yet, lean, levy, garnishment, and seizure. Lean, levy, garnishment, and seizure. There's four of them, okay? And what happens, and I've had this happen to me personally, one of my girls that was in our group there in Atlanta, a little diminutive little old gal, and one morning I get this call with her shrieking on the phone, Roger, they're stealing my car! Well, it was IRS, and they were coming in, you know, through that process, and whatever channels they'd done and steps they'd taken, they were coming seizing that car. And But those were self-help remedies, and I could see very easily from her phone call, even though she had some kind of an insight into this, the way that it terrorizes people. And now you take on a cloak of invincibility to them if you're the perpetrator here and the seizer, Uh, because they don't understand what's going on, okay? So it's a way of them putting their their best foot, if you will, their best foot forward uh, in the tyranny's path. And they terrorize you and you're automatically intimidated over in the corner thinking these guys have got omnipotent power. They don't. It's a process, all right? And, And you just don't understand it and you didn't do what was necessary or to defeat it. All right, but that utilized in Rome. Here's what happened: the the merchants of Rome that didn't do that and have access to it got real jealous because they were having to go into court and spend all that money and the time. And there's Bob's joining us. And so the 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 attorney general of Rome was called the Praetor. And every Rome had the foresight to understand the power of that office, and they would not let a praetor stay in office for more than one year at a time. And the praetors were appointed by the Senate. They, they weren't elected. And, but, and every praetor every year would pretty much go with the body of law that his predecessors had gone with. But over the, the, the legal falsity that a Roman citizen was a foreign merchant with pressure on the praetor over a 200-year period, they instituted and injected self-help remedies into and changed the just Seville, the original Roman common law, if you will. Hey, Bob, how you doing? That's important background to understand because these self-help remedies are utilized and weaponized against people. Bob, what's going on, brother? Indeed they are. Hey, I wanted to bring up a rather small, but the guy seems to be on his game. Uh, he, he doesn't have a lot of videos up, but it's called... If you go to your favorite uh, social site, YouTube, <laughs> tongue firmly in cheek. Anyway, I can't think of the guy's name, but the um, channel, if you will, is called Best, B-E-S-T, Best Evidence. Oh. Best Evidence. And he doesn't have a lot of videos up, but the ones he does are pretty good. I like them. I mean, he's talking about money the fake money, the monetary theory. One of his most recent one was, Mommy, yeah. where does money come from? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it yeah. Is, they're pretty good. That's John. Hey, Bob. What's, 
that, that that guy's that guy's name is John Titus. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, he, uh, yeah. we we brought him up. We yeah. Uh, thank you for very much for reinforcing that independently. He uh, he has a video on monetary crimes on all the plenaries men, and uh, he's uh, he's he's a yeah. Everybody needs to watch all the plenaries men uh, to get your head wrapped around uh, some of this, uh, on a deeper level. So, uh, yeah, that, that's a great, uh, great reinforcement. Yeah. I'd endorse it, it that. It comes back to that animal. It comes back to that animal farm thing about some, some pigs are more equal than others. Yeah, baby. I'd endorse that on Titus too, by the way, wholeheartedly. Uh, the one of the guys that in the old days was a guy named Byron Dale. Are y'all, y'all familiar with that name? No. He's an interesting fellow. I got to meet him. We had him at a convention in Atlanta. I got to pick him up at the airport, spend a lot of time with him and stuff. He was a farmer of the year in South Dakota. This must be back in the 80s or 70s or the 80s. And he's just a farmer up there in the Dakotas, and he got interested in the monetary system. And so in those days, he went and went to the interlibrary system and got all the books on uh, the Federal Reserve and the monetary system and economics he could read. And he spent a whole summer, turned his farm over to his son and sat there and studied all summer. And he basically found a way to start his own Federal Reserve. And he was up there in South Dakota, and he started it. And he had a, he had a, a book. You can probably find it on the web, Daryl, called Bashed by the Bankers. And in that, on that book on the cover is a picture of him in the hospital where they stormed his house and beat him with a ketchup bottle. <laughs> and he is just absolutely wailed on, man. And so uh, Byron Dale, this is what he would say if he's talking to people about money. These are his three questions. This is, for a few people that are talking to folks out there now, get you a piece of paper, or at least try and get these questions down. They're simple, okay? Three questions. What is money? Where does it come from? And how does it get into circulation? What is money? Where does it come from? And how does it get into circulation? And you'll you'll find you'll if you ask people those three questions, you'll find that they know they uh, exhibit how little they know. But he's a great old most patriot. People, most people would struggle to answer any one of them. And if they did, I would wager that even the better ones would get only maybe one or two mostly right. Yep. And the third one, that is a dark hole. Yep. What is money? Where does it come from? And how does it get in circulation? That's pretty insightful. I mean, that cuts it to the nub right there. Yep. So, boy, he was a great guy, man, and they beat the holy fire out of this guy. He's one of the ones, he was involved in one of the cases up there in Minnesota years ago I, 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 that had a great significance on the monetary level. I don't remember the stipulations of the case really enough, but my memory's blurred on it. But it was a real significant case, and they uh, over overturned it at a pellet level. So uh, Byron Dale is his name, B-Y-R-O-N-D-A-L-E. Yeah. Speaking of the Dakotas, something that's always interested me is North Dakota's self-governed uh, Bank of North Dakota. Yep. 
amazing situation. It's an amazing situation. They uh, had a loophole out and have their basically their own state bank, don't they, Bob? Yes. Yes. And the bank. I'm amazed that it's been allowed to exist. Is what I I just flabbergasted me. I guess you want to say it that way. If it wasn't North Dakota, it probably wouldn't have. If they'd have tried it in New York or California or Texas or Florida, they would, it wouldn't have got this far. But it's a real success. Well, that's and gotta, the, the bank, yeah. it shows you how banking can be beneficial to a population if the Edomite bastards aren't in control. So if I, if I move to America, I need to go to North Dakota. Is that what you're saying? Yes, it's a lovely state. They have wonderful winters up there. You'll love it. You know what? I don't mind. I don't mind cold weather. I think better in the cold, don't you? <laughs> yes. Well, you'll be a you'll be a genius up there. <laughs> Fantastic! I can't wait. There it's was full one of freezing geniuses, is it? <laughs> there was one. I remember when I was growing up in the Air Force. There was one Air Force base. Uh, two, I should say. Either Minot, North Dakota, or Thule, Greenland. Those were the 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 curse assignments. Minot, North Dakota is a big uh, yeah. It's a big ballistic missile part of the country and the system up there, Paul. They got a lot of those underground silos mm-hmm. and all that stuff up there, and the control Yippee. centers thereof. Yeah, man. Oh, I love things like that. Is that a big tourist attraction? Not it's really. Huge <laughs> people driving, flooding to North Dakota. Show me the ICBM base. Can't wait. Oh Lord of mercy. No. But the thing about the bank, right, it is interesting. I mean, I've been aware of uh, of that bank, you know, for, for a while. Every time you stumble across it, it's true. You go, hmm, surely some mistake. How did this happen, you know? How did, uh, you know, and that's interesting. So it, I don't know what, how it's happened or, or it's thriving. But I was in a conversation a little bit earlier today with someone regarding the Bank of England because I keep banging on about it a lot. I've just sort of put my Bank of England tapes in my head recently. I can't stop talking about it for some reason. I think it's because I've been silent on it for about five years. I just got bored about talking about it for so much. But uh, the irrespective of whatever messy, stupid, dumb, creative, intelligent or idiotic system a bank may be running, it strikes me that the, the core component that is required and, of course, this bank in North Dakota is... is in this camp, is that the bank must be owned by the people that use it on, a, a, on an equal basis. I don't like using the word equal, but what I mean by that is, hey, we've got democracy and it's one vote per person. Why can't we have a bank and it's one share per person? And then irrespective of whatever the bank does, we get a divvy, you see. That's the, that's the idea. About, of course, in due course, you could bring justice into the banking thing. How about but one first of these- thing is to own it. How about one of these manufacturing plants where the employees go in and buy it and they work for themselves literally and own own the company per share, you know, per person? Uh, that's another mm-hmm. real exciting idea and a way to get around this vulture, monopolistic, capitalistic bunch. Okay. But, it should, you know, I'm just saying as law, you know, we've got to, in very simple terms, it's exactly the same as well in the States. But the Bank of England um, owns the English people. Yes. That's that's that. It should be, and it needs, the only way to change it is it has to be the other way around. It has to be. And if it's not, no other measures that we take to redress any problems will have any lasting, make any lasting difference. They can't. So, you know, there's this interesting thing as well. 
uh, I may have mentioned it the other week. I don't know. I can never, sometimes I can't remember which anecdotes I've been spitting out recently. Uh, I like that as well. Otherwise, I'm really losing my marbles here. But the uh, uh, there's a law over here, 1948 or something, which people often sort of <coughs> bring out in conversation with me. And they go, no, 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 look, Paul, the, uh, the, the government owns the Bank of England. See, there's this law. I think oh, it's please. 1948. Yeah, it's true. You know, that's great, you know. I say it's a lo- that's lovely. That isn't that lovely. Uh, unfortunately, it's completely untrue. You see, but if you actually follow it in terms of a sort of logical or engineering principle, if it were the case, um, and it would be the same in your neck of the woods. When do you, when does everybody pay income tax? Is there a sort of deadline? I hate to say that. I'm terribly sorry. I hope I haven't ruined anybody's day. But what time of the year is it for you guys when it when it gets bundled up? Yes, we call it affectionately the real April Fool's Day, and that would be April 15th. Same, it's in April. Isn't that interesting? So, obviously, you know, the great global money counters like all this, but uh, if it were the case um, over here that we really owned the bank, then every time that date rolls around and all the income taxes are sort of rolling in, there'd be a national holiday because we'd have so much money because it's getting paid back. Oh, our bank right, oh, isn't it? Oh, oh, oh. The income tax doesn't go to the Bank of England. It goes to the bondholders that own I know that. debt. <laughs> no, I know. I know all that. But what I'm saying is, on the first level of the narrative in the public space, okay. right, I'm not talking about the one that we know is going on, right? In terms of when you're talking to a normie, oh, okay, I got which you. is what I'm looking at, not, not someone like you know stuff. Okay, but when you're talking to a normal person, these are the points I'm looking to try and find to illustrate to get them to go. Oh, I never thought about that before. You know, is it worth doing this? I can't stop. I mean, I, I'm, maybe I'm a sucker for punishment or something. But uh, uh, I think it's worth mentioning these things. And of course, um, that's really still the main battle. We could sort every single issue that we're talking about here, like in this neck of the woods, like Brexit or whatever it may be. If we were in charge of the bank, these things would have never metastasized as oh. a problem in the first. Oh, Paul, I had something I wanted to see if you'd heard yet. This came out yesterday, day before. You know, Ma, Mar, uh, Mike Pompeo, our Genghis Khan Secretary of State up there? Yeah, the name rings a bell in hell, probably, but it does ring a bell. Yeah. It certainly rings a bell down there. Uh, he was the number one graduate in his class at West Point. I'm not sure what that says for our service academies these days or its graduates, but regardless, um, he a tape leaked out just in the last couple of days. I haven't heard it. I just saw the articles about it. And he was speaking to a quote-unquote influential Jewish group over there in London town and talking about the upcoming unveiling of President Trump's new Mideast plan of the Byzantium, okay, supposedly. And he came out in there and said openly to them if there was any chance that they could help in making sure that Jeremy Corman wasn't named prime minister, they would do everything in their power to stop that. I did see that. And here they're talking about the Russians meddling in our damn elections by buying $5,000 worth of Facebook something. And here the Secretary of State gets busted saying this over there to these group, this group of people. Very telling. It's so nice of him 
to stick his nose in our business. Although I don't really mind. <laughs> it's funny. It's really, really wacky funny. I mean, look, nobody wants Jeremy Corbyn as the Prime Minister anyway. In fact, the mere fact that they're sort of bigging up the fact that they have to resist him is kind of adding, it's creating a sort of default credibility yes. for him, which he doesn't have. He's, he's deemed as a bearded, useless, meandering sort of dolt. Really, he is. He's just ridiculous. And um, they're all incredibly wet and daft and stupid, but uh, I guess they've got to create this intensity. So getting Mike Pompeo involved maybe sends out a signal, this is deadly serious and we must all pay a lot of attention to this stuff. But uh, it's nice, you know. Everybody, like we were saying last week, you've got the Israeli embassy sending people out to -to face-to-face meetings talking about how they can destroy conservative politicians. Yep. Uh, Strikes me as a bit weird, you know. No comeback, of course. Well, well they, and, this, and this stuff's getting out, and that's why they're getting desperate and lashing back on all these platforms. I mean, and it's getting ridiculous. Listen, when Facebook bans you because of an article that wasn't even published on Facebook that you wrote, I mean, that is taking it the next step, buddy. Well, it's... <sighs> You know, we used to have a phrase that all authority is assumed. And I think this is the... Yes, it's presumption. Uh, it's this presumption thing again. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, it, re- it really is. It's quite a thing, isn't it? It's <laughs> I mean, now we, I, so can, was- we can prove that statement legally and lawfully and how their system is set up and operates. That statement right there, all authority is, you said assumed, let's say presumed. You can use which either one, I don't mind, they're interchangeable, but we've got the gist. It's just by their own personal internal diktat to themselves. I'm in charge here, said the man who was trying to put himself in charge, you know, and all that kind of stuff, and that's really what it is. They... uh, of course, the whole of the language is literally the fact that they're occupying the high tide watermark of moral decision making, which of oh, course yeah. is completely. But it, but that's how they want to come across. I mean, I noted that, you know, people. There's in terms of alternative video platforms for people. There's two that tend to sort of lig around at the moment. One is called BitShoot with C H U T E BitShoot, which runs on a kind of peer to peer system um, and can be pretty good at times. But I guess it's getting leaned on quite heavily. A lot of people now are beginning to open up channels there, which is good. Let's just see how that goes. The other one is run by a guy called Mike Adams, I think his name is. He oh, used yeah. to run, or still, Natural News. Yeah. And he's this thing called, uh, what was it called? I think it was called Real Video or something yeah. to start off with. Changed that, and now it's called Brighteon. And uh, I saw a communication from him the other day. I, I actually quite like him, apart from his fact yep. that he keeps rating National Socialist Germany as the high tide watermark of evil, which is a bit sort of bizarre, frankly, I think. I mean, it's just, everybody keeps trotting this one out. Um, and it's always, you've got to be demonized as Nazis. And I'm going, really? It's 2019. I mean, have you actually been on the internet for 20 years and read stuff? It's not quite like it used to be. You wake up, you say you're reading your communication. Hold on, we got a we got a motorcycle there in the background. Go ahead. Uh, let me just interrupt. Uh, Welcome, Shane and Lauren has joined us too. And we won't, I want to get to them in a second, but I'm sorry to interrupt you, Paul. No, no, I'm nearly finished on this. Anyway, I was watching. I just he's pushing hard with his platform, and he was talking about. I mean, they've lost their Facebook stuff and everything, and blah 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 blah. So now, what's happening is everybody who thought maybe a year and a half ago, oh, this stuff won't reach me. Now it now now it now it's reached them, and it's going to reach more people. It won't stop. 
But there was a little quote. Here's a little quote from a Reuters article. Because I had, I had cause to write into a little list with some people. or write to someone. Jonathan, it's a quote. Um, it says, Jonathan Greenblatt, chief executive of the Anti-Defamation League, um, which researches anti-Semitism, said it had provided input to YouTube on the policy change. Quote, while this is an important step forward, the, and this is the key bit, this move alone is insufficient. This move alone is insufficient and must be, fo- must, must be followed by many more changes from YouTube and other tech companies to adequately counter the scourge of scourge. online hate scourge. and extremism. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, uh, great. Okay, fantastic. Well, this is why, and I've been thinking, you know, just coming back to the common law thing, as far as I'm aware, there is no hate crime law under common law. It's just basically, you know, it's torts and a couple of other things, but that's it. You got, if you're not causing harm, you're not breaking the law, right? So what harm is you're making people well, feel bad? Okay, okay, you know, that's okay. You, you got death, death, libel, and and all that stuff there too. But uh, yeah, basically, you can't. They couldn't pull any of this stuff off without bringing in this merchant code. Okay, uh, Shane it was first there but Lauren is the lady and we're going to defer to her Shane I hope you'll understand hi Lauren welcome back oh good morning thank you very much um, I wanted to refer back to Paul was talking about email exchanges that he was having with somebody and how it would take so long to try to correct them I I, I don't even bother but no. there's actually another personality that we actually have to be a little wary of and I recently had an email exchange with a neighbor of mine, and he called, wrote and said, you know, I noticed I had two cars. I noticed, you know, your 94 Lincoln was gone and what happened to it, blah, blah. So I, and and what's up? Okay, so I wrote and told him about, you know, that I had I filed my affidavit and changed my citizenship status. And this is what he wrote back. So if you succeed in this, which I bet you won't, are you going to continue to use the infrastructure paid for by the rest of us who pay federal income tax? Oh, boy, that's that a good one. Fund, yes, that <laughs> helps fund such infrastructure. Are you going to request a full and complete refund of the Social Security you already paid in? Or will you willingly accept the checks up until they tally to the amount you put into the system and then return all other payments as money, not yours, because it's above and beyond what you actually had withheld. I am a citizen. I am a U.S. citizen. I am a citizen of Pennsylvania. I am a citizen of York County. I am a citizen of Glenrock. I am a legal citizen and willingly pay my taxes to each of these services they provide. We'll never agree about this, not one iota of it. And I agree with the courts in shooting this down in the past. Not that I really cared about it before, before, nor do I now. I don't have any issue at all with the way things are set up and running. There you go. This is a person, so he's, he's made his case. He doesn't want to hear it. He likes things yep. just the way they are. He doesn't, doesn't he... want an education if he if he thinks that income tax paved the roads, he didn't make much of a case. Right, exactly. Well, I mean, you know, you could drive ten tractor trailers through every one of those statements, but I thought, you know what? No, no, there, there's no sense. 
and me wasting nope. my time trying to nope. show him where he's wrong because, like you said, it's easier to fool a man than to teach him he's been fooled. And this is a person who clearly does not have any, any, any desire whatsoever to entertain the fact that he has been lied to, deceived, and fooled. So, okay, fine. Then we'll just keep our, our relationship on entirely other terms. Well, I'd even s- though I, he's a blue pillar, even, Lauren. He's a blue pillar. Yeah, absolutely. I'm assuming, though, Lauren. Uh-huh. Lauren, I'm assuming that his life financially works. Does it? Oh yes. There yes, you go. Yes, so he, he he's, he's invested doing. in the system, and, yep. and the system for him works. Yes, it just works for him. Yes. Yeah. He's he's financially okay, and he's not a stupid person. He's very he's very smart. He's He's gutted two buildings, built a bar- barbershop out of one, his own home out of another. I mean, it, he, he does mainframe computers, systems, database support and development. I mean, he, he, he knows everything about the inner workings of every computer system in the world. I mean, he's just brilliant like that. But intelligent, no. He's so called- there's a difference. <laughs> There's a word. They have a phrase for it, uh, Lauren. Uh, Daryl uh-huh. uses it occasionally. He's, he's functionally illiterate. Yes. Yep. Yep. It's, and and, and I, it's like, wow. Okay, so we're done. So when I, yeah. do, when I do succeed in backing completely out of this system, am I going to tell him? No. Because what I see in this, is the type of personality that could actually be dangerous. Yeah. If the Pharisees decide to get together and start to promulgate some line of propaganda, like, what's all these American nationals that are keeping you from getting your new Humpty Hump? You know, well, it's your fault because you're not paying your taxes. You know, and I wanted to write back to him and say, hey, you know, I use the roads. I pay my gasoline tax. I use electricity. Um, I pay a tax on that. Oh, and by the way, that's a for-profit company, so they have a vested interest in keeping that infrastructure up and running. I pay a water bill, so there's our sewer system. That's a for-profit company. So, I, you know, it's like, so, no, forget it, Lauren. You know, if he can't see these three basic things, forget it. I'll move on to somebody else who goes, wow, where did you learn that kind of stuff? You know, okay, you I'll talk to so even though I put right in front of his face, and I'll, I'll say this for any new person that might be listening, Title 26 of the Internal Revenue Code, Chapter 6, State, United States, and Citizen. For purposes of this chapter, the term state includes the District of Columbia, the Commonwealth of Puerto Rico, the Virgin Islands, Guam, and American Samoa. The term United States, when used in a geographical sense, includes the Commonwealth of Puerto Rico, the Virgin Islands, Guam, and American Samoa. Pursuant to the rules of statutory construction, things that are included are limited to those things expressly spelled out. All other things must be presumed to be purposely excluded by implication. And that's why you don't see the names of the states of the United States of America there. And I wrote that to him, and it's like, oh, my God, it's right in front of your face. Here it is. This is the, this is the law. Uh-uh. I'll tell you, not hearing it. Lauren, there's another aspect of that you could utilize to put the final nail in the coffin. 
If you go back to the okay. older definitions on those, when Alaska and Hawaii were not yet states, they're included oh, in that right. list. And then they had to uh, uh, change it and do an addendum and take them out after they achieved statehood. Right. Okay, well, there's something else I would like for you to clarify for me, and I'm probably pretty sure that the same mechanism works in, in, in England as well. Um, if I, I, I know I probably have this wrong, and that's the best way for me to learn, so I'm going to run through this and tell me if I have this right. The Treasury bills back the loan from the Federal Reserve. The bondholders buy the T-bills, and the income tax pays the interest to the bondholders. Is that the correct sequence? I, I think that the the bonds they don't the bank doesn't loan the country money except when they do deficit spending. What they do, and that's what these treasury auctions and all these bond yields is why they're so important, Lauren. That's how they finance the day to day running of the country is the bond market. As we were talking about yesterday, depending on who you listen to, the bond market is three to ten times as big as the stock market. And that's the financing mechanism. And to my, even though your check, if you send in your income tax check, it's uh, stamped on the back for deposit only in a Federal Reserve bank. But yet it goes to the Federal Reserve and they pay the bondholders. Okay. And there's a way okay. that you can trace who the bondholder is through a number there they called a QSIP number. Right. I think it's C-U-S-I-P. Now, there's right. a remedy. Mm-hmm. See, if we could ever get the inroads where we could expose this as fraud on a huge wholesale level, then we could go back and have access to those QSIP numbers and trace who the bondholders are. If the bondholders are these creeps, you just say, hey, there's fraud involved. We ain't paying you nothing. And if you've got legitimate people, small, whoever it might be, that did buy those bonds under this false assumption, you could continue to pay them out. Okay. Okay. Well, that was all I had to say. I'll okay. let um, Shane and other people get okay. on. Okay. Well, we're always glad to hear from you, Lauren. Everything going all right with you? Okay. I loved how you were, and I think about it yeah. sometimes, about how you prospect people that you're uh, interacting with there. And you, you, you have a, a work in a grocery store, so you have a lot of occasion to not only interact with the public at large, but also to have a regular customer base where you build up a relationship. And those are the ones that are well, very fertile, you know. Well, and speaking of which, I thought of another way to open the conversation. Hi, how are you today? Well, I'm finally free. Free, free of what? United States citizenship. People will say to me, oh, which country are you a citizen of now? <laughs> I love it. And what, and what do you so, reply? And what do you reply? I tell them I'm a, I'm a citizen of the United States of America. Very good. Very good. That's a nice, uh, a nice open, shut little uh, exchange there at the front to invoke curiosity. Mm-hmm. And it does. And it's, I mean, how many people say, hi, how are you today? Well, I'm free. Who, who, what? You know? <laughs> like, so I'd love to just throw them curveballs like yep. that because I just can't, I can't stand the same mundane conversation over and over again. So every <laughs> once in a while I just uh, got to shake people up. 
Well, yeah. then it's troublemaker would like it, and it's really good <laughs> mental exercise for you because you're thinking ahead, you're planning, you're executing these conversations, and see if you can plant a seed there, and all those things, and it's great mental activity for you because that gives you command of this information. It's all these things you do that allow you to make this information yours. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. I I love it. Yep. Okay, sweetie. Well, sure glad to hear from you. Glad you're out there. Oh, thank you. Oh, yep, yep. I am. Yep, I am. Send, send oh, our best wishes to your neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'll tell there's you. An English, the there's big... an Englishman who thinks you're great. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, I'll tell you. Just I tell think his, his biggest roadblock is he's told me that he's an atheist. Okay, there so, you go. There you go. So, this and yeah. the spiritual so that, connection. Right, so that's a big roadblock, and this is one thing that I try to, when I'm teaching young people, like senior, senior high and just slightly out of senior high, the Declaration of Independence. Did you study the Declaration of Independence in school? Yes. Can you remember the first few words of it? No. Well, I always have my pocket constitution with me, so let's go over this. We are endowed by our creator, blah, blah, blah. I said, so what is this telling you? Well, they really don't know. Okay, well endowed by your creator means do you believe in god yes okay when you were created in your mother's womb did you eventually have arms and legs and a heart yeah okay so where did that all really come from if you're created from god from god okay right so if you're endowed by your creator with certain unalienable rights your rights are as much a part of you as the blood in your veins your arms, your brain, your eyes, they're part of you. Now, if a government agent came along and said, hey, we, we need a few of your fingers today because that's payment for, you know, the infrastructure, would you willingly give it up? No. Okay. Same with your rights. They're part of you. You don't ever give them up. You know, and you don't ever let anyone encroach on them. You you brought up a very important point. It's his lack of spirituality, and my mind was going off on yes. that. If you don't have some sort of a spiritual tether here, it might not be a real firm one when you start, but you, there's still a tether there. Okay, if you don't have that self, uh, that you leave yourself open for man-made rule. Because you don't even conceive that there's another deity that could absolutely give you laws and help you control. You automatically defer to man. That's right. I had a conversation with someone a little bit earlier today touching on this very thing. Somebody who would not necessarily be fully in the camp that we are sitting in right now, but a bright guy nonetheless. We're having a cracking chat about things and just about the whole organization of law over here with regards to, and you know, invoking what Brent says is it, it is either the law of the city, the law of men, or it's, or it's the law of God. And if you choose the former, you're doomed. I mean, it's as simple as that. And I tend to bring this up um, whenever we're discussing things like, well, like common law or to, to get some recovery of, uh, true freedom and trust back into how we want to live because everybody's quite clear about how they don't want to live but i'm saying well how do you actually want to live and i said by the way it's not really a question it's if you study history you're going to find it very quickly it's not rocket science this there are certain things and he started to laugh because you know i ended up talking about the the ten commandments which i do and m many people just dismiss them and i often will be saying look 
you're kind of missing the point. I said, there's 10 of them. This means that every man, woman, and child aged 8 to 88 can understand them. They are true. They apply to 99% of your life. They're, they work out for us. And you would know, would you not, that if everybody knows these Ten Commandments, you are living with people, you know that they know them, and they know that you know them. And the strength in that is unbelievable. But because we've drifted away from it, we're in this realm of the dissimulator, the deceiver, the man-made chatterboxes that just go on and on and on. Why do you need lawyers and barristers to defend you in court? You shouldn't need that at all. It's rubbish. Why do you need a specialist in the law? It must be complete junk if you need a specialist because we know it. We know what these laws are. So Paul? I think if this guy is disconnected in that way, you know, let me if he's disconnected me. in that way, that would explain it. Let me tell a story that John used to tell in his seminars, okay? If you go back to Revelation, it says that they have controlled the nations through their sorcery. Okay? Mm-hmm. And if you go to the word sorcery and look at the different definitions, their descriptions of it, one of them is chance. C-H-A-N-T-S, chance. And John would set that up and he'd say, could it be that their sorcery and their chant is U-C-C, like the Roman galleons, U-C-C, U-C-C, because it's through the merchant law that they've been able to come in and assert weaponized control of that law assert this control over us that's their sorcery that's why you need barristers to answer the question is because it's complex and they deal on process okay it's all the process that's why lawyers hate what they do for a living more than any profession Well, I'm going to hang up because I'm going to make noise, and I don't want to um, okay, disturb sweetie. anybody. All right. Okay. Okay. Glad to hear from Love you. Love you all. Thanks for being there. Touch Love out. You. Reach out Bye-bye. more often when you can. It's your day off I, or whatever. I, I try to. Okay, Thank sweetie. You. Yeah, thanks. Ciao. Bye. Um, so, uh, Shane, that name said hello to you other than in passing. What's going on, brother? Yes. Hey, I'm just... Uh, well, I'm here where Apple Computer is. Yes. So, yeah, it's uh, the... Uh, the spaceship uh, building, it's going pretty well. Good. Going great, great stuff like that. So, um, have you, I uh, thought, I, thought, have, I, thought have, I had a question. Shane, have you urinated on the hedges over there at Apple yeah. Forest recently? On the big building? No, I have not. No, no, just the hedges. No, I'd be, we'd be, we're, we're easy to please here. We'd be satisfied with just the hedge urination. It'd yeah. be all right. Just the hedges around the, the around here in Cupertino, yes. Okay, good and, deal. Uh, not the big building. All right. Well, so, it's, obviously it's, it's well, symbolic, but I think it's important. Go ahead, Shane. So uh, I wonder how many um, affidavits uh, President Donald Trump has received. I don't know that he's received any, but, you know, that's an interesting question. I've talked about it before. My personal feeling is they've received way over a hundred thousand of these now that's a drop in the bucket in 330 40 million people obviously but i would guarantee you just about shane that when they get them one of them up there these days that their sphincter muscle gets tightened 
Somebody up on the seventh floor sphincter muscle tightens because they know that one more person is not only wise to their game, but has the balls enough to send this paper in. Yes, but also didn't the revolution or as a, as a I heard it, only 5% of the people I think less. were less you know, fighting. About 3% so. is what I've heard, as much as 5 possibly, but somewhere in that range, not very many. And what that goes to prove, Shane, is it doesn't take, the majority's never done anything but vote their hands into your pockets. That's all they've ever accomplished, all right? It's always a small, dedicated to ideals and concepts group of men that get out and energetically, eventually, affect change. And that's why they're so scared of this information. You know, I can think back 30 years ago, this movement was still in its infancy. Man, it's grown leaps and bounds compared to where it was when I got into it, okay? And I, I, I can remember going to meetings and we'd catch the, I'm sure it was the local ADL out there snapping uh, uh, pictures of people's license plates so they could compile lists of these small groups of dissenters because they understand that these things grow. And they understand that they've got a, a, an oppressive system that's based on fraud and tricks and deceit. And they know that it can get punctured and exposed real easily. And that's why they're so conscious of all these things. We're talking about YouTube and Facebook and Google. That's why they're doing this stuff right there is because they know that group's growing and they know it's like the, the movie The Ant and the Grasshoppers, you know, where, oh, you can't let those ants get up, man. Pretty soon they'll overwhelm us. And that's what happened and that's what's happening. And that's why they're reacting like this. Look, when you go pull somebody's Facebook account for an article that they published on another website and not on Facebook, that's extreme. Well, I, I did that to Hillary Clinton. <laughs> well, you published her on I Facebook? I did that to her. What'd you do to her? No, I, I received her. I received her advertisement. Yes. And I said that this is totally illegal, it's totally wrong, and therefore remove it from this particular uh, site or from the Facebook uh, site. So okay. good I think it's Twitter. Good. So. Well, good for standing up there, Shane. Chris, were you trying to inject something a minute ago? You've been mighty quiet today. Well, there were a couple of things that were crossed my mind. Uh, Lauren teed up a subject that's near and dear and I've been talking about even early this morning and that's the absolute natural rights that come from our creator through our creation and you know so many people are programmed mind controlled into believing they have constitutional rights which are really privileges posed as right uh, but they they overlook the fact that there are others that are not in the four corners of the document that are referred to in the Ninth and Tenth Amendments as others belonging to people. And this is a dangerous course that people are misled down purposefully and intentionally. Now, you're talking about the desperation of the principalities of evil and their minions, uh, Zuckerberg and his other people who want to control the information stream so they can hide the truth from the people 
uh, I think that's Second Timothy 2, one uh, to lawyers who hide away the truth from the people. They've been doing this since the beginning of time, and they're continuing to do yeah. it because most people aren't smart enough to wake up. It's the same, and that's the herd mentality. They know that our herd has it. They take advantage of it, and I can't help but agree with them. Our herd has it, and if you don't believe our herd doesn't have it, you go out and talk to them about this stuff like Lauren's doing. Now, I wanted to say for Lauren, if you want to respond to the guy, and you may not want to, you may just want to say thank you for your opinion or whatever, but if you wanted to uh, play with him like a, a cat and a mouse a little bit, I'd come back and say something to the effect of, uh, thank you for your eloquent reply, but I have a hard time taking any of it seriously when someone who is so emphatic about their stance doesn't even know the difference between a direct and an indirect tax. I would also recall for Lawrence Benefit in that situation, the parable of the mustard seed and the good seed bad <laughs> Don't cast your pearls before swine. And I think that might be Lauren from Ohio, a sister from another mother. Uh, there's a couple of them that used to call in on oh, RBN quite a lot. She was one I had the highest esteem for. So oh, she's I'm a glad Lauren, Lauren from Ohio was a sharp cookie. She was one of the sharpest yeah. knives in the drawer. Okay, and I could tell when I'd yeah. listen to the Power Hour all the time, and she'd call in often and make comments, and I'd say she's been exposed to John and Glenn's information somehow. She knew it, and then when I, I got on, yeah, let me just, I'll finish this because it's important. When I was on those days, she got in as a caller at the end of one of the shows, and she said, "I want you to know that I've taken my two daughters to an attorney. We've drawn up these affidavits, and I've had them filed. And oh, by the way, I'm half black." Mm-hmm. Yep, pretty sharp chick. I yeah. wish she'd come around and you know get uh, yeah. get an ear that we're here I, and be able to listen. But our Lauren and that Lauren are not the same, Chris. Okay, well maybe not, but yeah. spirit, I love it. And <laughs> listen, that's not to to dismerge our Lauren at all because she's equally as sharp and to that she's taken up the banner and, and when I'd say make this information yours and that's what Lauren's done. She's gone out and done the extra research, got the old books from the 14th Amendment and the justices that sat on the court and read all that stuff. She has really done what it takes to make this a success and to turn your life around. Right. Well, Roger, uh, Paul, uh, Daryl here. Um, I just wanted to make a comment on uh, the uh, what Lauren said. And uh, hi, Lauren, by the way. I've, I've had the pleasure of meeting her. And the uh, after hearing what the, uh, the fellow wrote back to her, uh, I would probably, you know, just as my recommendation to not further engage him, I, I hear a tone and tenor that is dangerous, and um, you know, she she uh, she interviewed him and he failed. He didn't he didn't make the interview <laughs> miserably. So I would I would I would probably uh, not oh. go tit for tat at any at any level with this cat because. He obviously doesn't even know that he's not an atheist because there's no such thing as an atheist. 
because as as Brent would say, and as we all know, your God is those whose laws you follow. And he follows the state's laws, so that makes him a statist. The state is his God, and and he's a devout statist. Um, and, uh, you know, when Lauren was talking, the, the thing that came to my mind was Aldous Huxley's, uh, the Englishman Aldous Huxley's wonderful quote out of his Brave New World book, uh, which everybody should have read by now, which is, they will come to love their slavery. Yep. They will come to love it. They love their slavery. They will defend their slavery to your death. You, you caught that, right? And um, so I would uh, I would avoid him at, at all costs because uh, for the conversation with him will just enrage and empower him more. And there's a spirit of domination that I was hearing. And uh, so, uh, but, uh, you know, Lauren is a brave woman. And because uh, it's, you know, she showed, has a lot of courage. Um, and... Um, uh, so I, she was I just wanted of, to throw that out there. She was one of our um, r- uh, radio ranchettes back here a while back. We were trying to, Paul, you probably, I don't know, know if you remember this, we are trying to start a calendar with our, fem- you know, have our good patriot females there and the month of their birth or whatever, and she was one of the two. Part of the requirements, it was a very stiff competition because part of the requirements was you had to wait until Tom and his partner were in your area so that they could get a personal interview and take you to dinner to give you the validation stamp before you could qualify and Lauren went through all of those prerequisites she got qualified and there was another gal we hadn't seen her around a while back but uh we're happy to have her and all the other ladies especially uh you know Lori is another one that that I communicate with and I know that's listening we got Murr out there and several others and we're happy to have all of you it's there's always been a real lack of females in the patriot movement because they tend to to gravitate towards security and anything against the quote unquote state threatens that for them and it's not their cup of tea usually so when they step forward hello hello when they step forward we like to recognize them yes chris I was just missing Joan of Arc amongst those. Joan of Arc. <laughs> okay, good enough. We take her. If she wants to call in, Joan, come on, call on in. And uh, it's real refreshing to see our movement growing and the ground getting more fertile. You see, we can't go out and beat up people like that. Okay, and there's a whole bunch of them. They're predominantly, that's the mental attitude out there. And we've got to wait till the situation changes and the people are ready for the lesson, you know. It'll, the time's coming. Well, this this guy, you know, this this guy, Lauren's neighbor, is um, atypical of a certain kind of personality profile or whatever. I've come across people like that. And that's, uh, you know, it wasn't sort of some blinding insight to obviously make a deduction that his life economically was working for him uh, because it's only people who are sort of doing well in the game that end up with that kind of a mindset. And I've met a lot of them. You know, I know a lot of people. And, and you can't deny that they're competent, as, as Lauren was saying. She was indicating that he was a very competent man in his fields of endeavor. And uh, that's often the case. But it, it tends to come that if you're expansively good in one thing, you might be uh, quite limited in another. And asking questions is often not the strong suit of these people because 
there's no compulsion for them to go, I've got a comfortable life. I Everything's working for me. You're the troublemaker because you're talking about things that are going to take that away from me. That's really what this is about. Uh, people get sort of anxious about it. It's the same thing. You know, when you think about liberals, what is it that the discussions here would take away from liberals? Well, in many cases, it's their bogus status. They actually don't have anything really going on. They've got a sort of pretended position of moral superiority, which they've, you know, drawn around themselves. You, you turn up, start talking realistic things, things that actually occur, revealing history that undermines the sort of ridiculously childlike view they have of the world. And they want to kill you. Literally, because you're sort of taking away what they've got. So I think the guy does sound hostile, to agree with Daryl. He definitely did. And, and these people are extremely confident because he's probably got plenty of money in the bank. Um, the was moment. this phrase, did it come up the other? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, for the moment. Did this phrase come up last week as well? Maybe Daryl said it or something that, uh, you know, civilization is only three meals away from a revolution. And I think that this is, uh, you know, that's the way that guy's got to get to. Once you've got him three meals away from a revolution, you might be able to talk to him and get through to him, the real him. But at the moment, you know, the no, state construct that no, is him is winning through. He's, he, his life's comfy. You're not mandated to waste your time convincing anybody. Your job you is don't. to tell them something's coming, and you've resolved yourself of any remedy against you. Now, if he doesn't heed it, that's his problem. But you've told him, and your uh, your responsibility is is absolved. And that's the whole purpose of what we do here. And I don't care how those people react anymore. I used to get in those discussions with them. I'm like Lauren. I just don't do it anymore, like we were talking earlier. Uh, it's a waste of my time. It's like the saying, never wrestle with a pig. All you can do is get dirty, and the pig likes it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the pig does like it but i think it's worth going over these scenarios and looking at them because it's almost as if in them in these micro incidents in these one-on-one -on -one, you know communication exchanges there's tremendous wealth and treasure to be unearthed if we look at it rationally and see what's really going on and then we're able to pick and choose where we standing conversations and who we really communicate with it's just like target marketing from a marketing company don't go over there and talk to them you'll get nowhere but if you talk here you're likely to be talking on more fertile ground and well so the other thing is it. every time you go through the exercise whether they accept it or or ask questions or not you get better at it that's the point. See, this all so focuses on us. It's your freedom. It's you that's got to learn this information. It's you that's got to defend it. It's you that's got to get better and help spread it, okay? Because the only way that I can protect my liberty is to help you protect yours. And what we find out, unfortunately, is most people don't even know what the hell liberty is. That's right. <laughs> well, in the, uh... Go ahead. No, uh, yeah, Roger, you were talking about, well, there weren't many women in the Patriots movement, and I think by definition, there can't be. Yeah, I agree with that, Bob. Wouldn't they be in the, wouldn't they be in the Patriot movement? <laughs> I tell you, that Bob, can, he can pick a nit with the best of them, can he? <laughs> uh, I was just going to apologize. I had my radio, I had my phone on mute for 30 minutes while I was doing stuff. And the instant I took it off to make a comment, my radio started going, and I couldn't get to it quick enough. Anyway, I apologize for the noise. Well, that's just like, you know, any time you buy gold or silver, the price always goes down the next price day. Any time you sell, it always goes up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. 
Well, I remember Robbie Noel saying, yeah. you're never going to buy at the bottom and you're never going to sell at the top, okay? <laughs> That's pretty much it. If you fixate on that, you'll drive yourself into the ground like an auger and never get anything done. I mean, it's just it's a, it's a, fool's, it's a fool's errand. Don't, don't worry about it. Uh, listen, Bob, by the way, Carrot Bars, I saw a piece of information I haven't seen. I couldn't read it real well because it was a snapshot. They've got a savings plan coming up based on uh, these coins that you can get put back and get paid as much as 15% a year just for holding them back. So I'll get that out and find out, get a better copy of that. It's pretty exciting, and I'm glad to see them doing that sort of thing. Um, yeah. But uh, we got some nice changes coming. There's many of us been waiting many years preparing, like, you know, putting a little squirrel during the winter, go getting our little walnuts and acorns and sticking them up there in the hole in the tree. And the cold winter's about coming. And I think we're going to be rewarded. Real glad we did. And we can become examples for those people that in the old system used to have money, like Lauren's neighbor, that are about to get their clock cleaned. And let me tell you, when he gets his clock cleaned, his tune may change a little bit. He may become a little more receptive, Lauren, here in the near future. He in the or, pardon Roger, me? Yes? Or he Shane? may attack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Shane? Yeah, here, yeah, here in the States, Roger, uh, Donald, President Donald Trump has made a uh, plan to make uh, not necessarily the... Uh, the new deal, but now he's going to call it the real deal. The real deal. So you can look it up on the internet. You can do whatever you want with it. But yeah, it's his new plan, new uh, well deal. Hey Shane, is it okay if I still call it the Jew deal? Yeah, please call it the raw deal. <laughs> you know, I wanted to say this earlier in my readings. Uh, I used to scour through old bookstores, used bookstores like Jimmy does, Daryl. He goes out there and scrounges through those old stores. And I found a book that wasn't a book. It was one of those round leaf bound things and it was written by an attorney in St. Louis. And this is back in the 40s. And he was commenting on how before Roosevelt, as we talked about him earlier, Paul, before Roosevelt, there was a really established social system to take care of the poor and the needy. And it was done through true organizations that were charitable and mainly through the churches. And Roosevelt absolutely, totally destroyed that where they had to depend on the state. Bye. Right. So what, what happened What what happened is, uh, starting with... Uh, here, here, Roosevelt. There, uh, he, uh, he, he ushered in the NGO, and the NGO is a cultural warfare weapon, and it uh, it uh, disassembles uh, the uh, different churches' authority and, and social power, Catholic, Protestant, and then they supplant it with an NGO, and. Uh, so NGOs are, are cultural warfare organization weapons. Um, I, I just want to bring a couple things together. We spend a lot of time talking about specificities of different laws and concepts and applications, statute code regulation. This is very important, but it parallels with the cultural warfare that's going on with us. And, and this is part of what Lauren was dealing with, was the cultural aspect of uh, the war 
And um, so, uh, you know, we, we have to be able to conduct ourselves on, on both these fronts. It's, it's, it's a multiple front uh, conflict. And um, so I, uh, I, have a, I have a lot of, uh, of uh, admiration for pe- people who can, are aware of and can confront the cultural aspects of it. And um, so uh, I, I just wanted to bring those two together. Uh, it's important. It's real important, and it's the twin prong of their attack uh, uh, to to get those people in the lowest common denominator herd mentality they can get them into, and then they're totally controllable. And, and well, our the simple job... fact is, if you don't have them parallel, consider them as railroad tracks. You can't run a train with only one track. No, you if can't. If they can't get the culture molded to accept those ideas, yep, the technocracy won't work. Well, you know, let me so, go back. Yeah, and, it's, it's definitely a two-pronged attack. Let's throw Tupper Saucy's comment in here. Roger, don't you understand they can only rule evil? Yep. Okay. Boy, that puts that so comment true. in that puts that comment in perspective, doesn't it? Um, listen, Paul, Pretty thanks good. for being with us, taking a couple hours out of your week. We always appreciate your input, your views, and your Fun observations. Shot by as well. Flew by. Yes, it two did. Hours. They flew by today. And really uh, everybody Here, that contributed. And Cheers. Just uh, appreciate each and every one of you. Every one of you matter out there, whether you call in or not. And I hope you get something out of your time with us. We'll be back tomorrow and spend more of it together. And I sure appreciate all of you. So we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks, Paul. We'll see you next Wednesday, Chief. Ciao for now. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Jim Ram is next, by the way, which I often neglect to say. Please stay around and hear what Jim's on today.